0: Uh, Hey, last week, uh, Pastor John kicked off a new uh, series entitled, Why Church? Or actually, Why Bother with Church? Where we want to ask the question, does the church matter anymore? Uh, For years now, the trend has been where more and more people like to define themselves as spiritual, not religious, where you don't need the church because God can be found elsewhere. The church is just simply not relevant. You know, there's a segment of society that doesn't like the church, they're against the church, but there's even a larger segment uh, of society that simply doesn't care. Uh, The church isn't even on their radar, the church is just simply not relevant, And the feelings about the growing irrelevance of the church is not simply limited to secular society, but by believers in Jesus as well. You know, just one example is for years now, uh, regular church attendance is considered once a month Um, because, again, church for years is getting uh, squeezed out by other activities, whether it's kids' activities, sports, extracurricular things, or maybe things like getting away for the weekend on more and more weekends. Again, things that are not bad in and of themselves, but it's just the church is getting squeezed out. And and we're not as worried, um, although it does concern us when non-believers see the church as less relevant. That concerns us. But I even get more concerned when believers in Jesus see the church as less and less relevant. I once heard a speaker say, um, or ask the question, if your church disappeared how much would your community miss it? If your church disappeared, how much would your community miss it? And the point of the question is to ask, what kind of impact are we making in our community? It's a good question. How relevant are we to the community? But another question I want to put in front of us this morning is this. If TFRC disappeared, how much would you miss it? What kind of impact does TFRC make on us? How relevant is TFRC to us? These are critical questions that we want to address, to rekindle in us, not just an understanding, but a passion for why this place matters, why we bother with church. Our scripture reader this morning is Ross Winton. Ross, if you can make your way on up to the center uh, podium, as he does, not am going to ask if you're able to please stand and face the center of the room. Uh, We stand because we believe that this is the Word of God, and we read from the center of the room as a reminder to us that Scripture is to be central in our lives. And so, Ross, whenever you are ready, please read from Ephesians chapter 4. Ross, thank you very much, you may be seated. As I mentioned earlier, the uh, Connections class uh, began today, and uh, there was a time when I led the class, and when I led the Connections class, I would ask this question. Looking back at the history of the world, when do you think would have been the best time for Jesus' earthly ministry to occur? Why did Jesus have his ministry on earth when he did? These are the kinds of questions that sometimes as pastors we wonder about. We, I know most of you have never thought of this, or probably not, but this is kind of stuff that goes through our minds. Um, why did Jesus come 2,000 years ago? And again, the answer is because that's when God decided. Yes, I know that's the good church answer, but was there a strategy? behind what God did in having Jesus come 2,000 years ago, or did God just kind of close his eyes and randomly point in the timeline and say, Jesus will come then, okay? Let's just pretend for a second that God has an executive committee. We don't believe he does, but let's just pretend that God has an executive committee, and you are it, okay? Everyone in this room makes up God's executive committee, and God comes to us as his executive committee, and he asks Uh, When should Jesus, God the Son, come to earth? And God shows us all of time and asks us as his committee to pick when Jesus should come. What would you suggest? When in time do you think would have been the best time for Jesus to have come? Now, he came 2,000 years ago during the Roman Empire. And was that really the best time? Maybe he could have come before that. He could have come during the Assyrian Empire or Babylonian Empire or during the time of Alexander the Great. Or should he have come after that? Maybe during the Middle Ages or the Enlightenment or the 19th century or 20th century or 21st century. What would you suggest if you were on God's executive committee? What would get your vote? You want to communicate the gospel to the whole world. And so when would be the best time for Jesus to come and do his ministry on earth? My suggestion, why not right now, right? Doesn't that make the most sense? Again, send Jesus to the 21st century. We want to communicate the gospel to the whole world. How many forms of mass communication do we have today? Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, YouTube, television, radio. We could even mass produce written materials. We could, Jesus' gospel message could be sent to billions of people in no time at all. Send Jesus now. That would get my vote. Who on the executive team suggested 2,000 years ago? I want to get that person's name because that's dumb, Right? That's just stupid. You want to communicate the gospel to the whole world and you choose a time when there is no social media and no internet and no television and no radio. There wasn't even the printing press. Whose idea was that? But that is exactly what God decided to do. Why? Why? Now, I don't claim to know the mind of God, but there are some reasons that pop out. Because while 2,000 years ago, when Jesus came when he did, while it wasn't a good time for mass communication, it was a good time to form a community. You see, God's primary means for sharing the gospel isn't radio, it isn't television, it's not social media. God's primary means for sharing the gospel, is a community of people who believe in Jesus. That was his plan 2,000 years ago. He could have sent Jesus today. He didn't send Jesus today, because he has a different plan to use people to reach people, a community of faith, the church, that's us. And so when we talk about the power of the people, we need to remember that the church It's the people, people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And people are transformed when they experience the good news by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Now look, the difference between hearing the good news and experiencing the good news is community. That's the difference. Look, if I'm starving and you tell me that there's a great meal somewhere that will save my life, that's great. That gives me hope. Now, take me to the meal, okay? I'm hungry, I'm starving to death. Where do I go to eat? If at that point, before you tell me where the meal is and take me to the meal, you just walk away and I don't get to eat, we've missed something, right? People need to hear about the love, grace, and mercy of God. But if that's all the farther it goes, then we're missing something, right? People need to experience that love and that grace and the mercy of God. And where will people go to experience that? What did God design for people to not just hear about the good news, but to actually experience the good news? Well, what God designed was a community of faith, the church. Where else are people gonna go? There is no place else to experience God's love and grace and mercy It's the church, the community of Jesus' followers. And so the power of the people, we have the power to rally around the cause of Christ. We can rally around the cause of Christ. Jesus never designed faith in him to be done alone. That was never part of the plan. Yes, we need to personally accept Jesus, but what was one of the first things Jesus did during his earthly ministry. What did he concentrate a lot of his energy on? He formed a community. He trained a community. He sent out a community. It was all about instilling his message and his method into a community of people. That's what he spent his time doing. As it says in verse 13 of the passage we read this morning, until we all reach unity in the faith... And in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I don't think I need to tell you that faith in Jesus is hard. And it's really easy to get discouraged. Again, and pastors, we're not immune to this. I get discouraged. I look around and I see what's happening in our world and in our culture. And I see what happens in the lives of my friends and family. And I wonder, what in the world am I doing following Jesus? Is this doing any good at all? I've given my life to this. And look at what's going on. Is my faith making any difference? It's discouraging. And then I look at you and I see your faith I see you worship I see you serve I see you pray I see you lean on your faith when your lives have been turned upside down and that causes me to rally to rally back to the cause of Christ and I remember what Paul said in Philippians what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And when I see some of you discouraged in your faith, I want to encourage you to rally to the cause of Christ. And I know that this community of faith can help you do that. And I know that, that because it helps me do that. And folks, we need each other. We need to rally together around the cause of Christ because you might be able to pursue some kind of personal spirituality on your own, but you can only unite in community. You can't unite all by yourself. It doesn't work that way. In fact, literally, and this is a little bit of a silly thing, but I don't think it's coincidence. If you look at the word community, what word is in it? The word unity. It's embedded, it's literally embedded in the word community. No community, no unity. Outside of community, you are on your own. And if you want to come together and be a part of a cause greater than yourself, you cannot do that by yourself. The vision statement of TFRC is to be a vibrant community passionately modeling the life of Jesus Christ throughout the Magic Valley. To be a vibrant community passionately modeling the life of Jesus Christ throughout the Magic Valley. You want to rally around the cause of Christ? Join us. Join us. Don't try to do it alone. In the power of the people, we also realize God's purpose for us. We realize God's purpose for us. Notice it does not say that I realize God's purpose for me. It's we realize God's purpose for us. You see, our purpose is connected to community. As it says in verse 12 from our passage this morning to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. God has given each of us gifts so we can build up everyone else. You are gifted, but God didn't gift you for you. He gifted you for the community. And we cannot realize our purpose without one another. And if you are going to serve, you cannot do it in isolation. You can only serve in community. Serving by definition Means that you are serving someone else. And so if you are, if you're not a part of a community, you can't serve. And if you don't serve, you can't realize your purpose. Even Jesus came, he said, to serve and to give his life. Your purpose is connected to a community of faith. As it says in Ephesians chapter 2, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, because of our culture, we tend to individualize everything, and we ask, what is God's purpose for my life? But your purpose is connected to a community's purpose. We are God's handiwork. In order to be prepared to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, God's purpose for you is connected to his purpose for us. In the power of the people, we reveal truth to those we trust. We live in a time when tolerance is king. How many times do we hear, we have to be tolerant for others? Now, for the record, I completely agree. I don't disagree with that at all. We need to have greater tolerance for those we disagree with. There's too little of that. But you see, tolerance doesn't go far enough. You see, I can tolerate you. That doesn't mean I trust you. Verse 15 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ speaking the truth in love. If you want to speak truth into my life, I have to trust you. If I want to speak truth into your life, you have to trust me. And in order to trust, we have to know that we are for one another, not against each other. We need to know that I value you and that you value me. 1 Thessalonians says, Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because of how much they valued each other, they shared their lives with one another. And the more they shared their lives, the more they valued each other. And what kind of trust does that develop? How do we create trust without community? You can only connect in community. And when we connect in community, trust can be built. And we can experience that we are valued by each other. You know, there's a passage in Romans 16. It's a rather lengthy passage. It's uh, verses 3 to 15. I'm not going to read it. My point of putting it on the screen is I just want to see, I want you to see how much space Romans 16 verses 3 to 15 is. And this entire passage is nothing more than the Apostle Paul sending greetings to people. He takes this much space to basically say, oh, say hi to so-and-so for me, and say hi to so-and-so for me, and say hi and so-and-so for me. He He individually names 26 different people in this passage with nothing more than send greetings to. He took the time and the space to send them greetings. And I ask the question, why do we need this in Scripture? It's a complete wasted use of space. It doesn't teach me anything except it teaches you that those people mattered and that he trusted them and that they trusted him and that they shared their lives together and that they, again, mattered to each other. Do you have anyone like that in your life? Who do you trust enough to let them speak truth to you? And who trusts you enough that you can speak truth to them? These kinds of relationships, they're not easy. They take work. They take risk. They're hard to come by. And again, they're hard for me. I don't know about you. They're hard for me because I like to keep people at a safe distance because it just gets uncomfortable if people get too close And so I like to keep my relationships safe. And the challenge for me is that Jesus doesn't call me to keep everyone at a safe distance. Jesus builds community, but not just any kind of community. kind of community described in verse 16 of our passage, where it says, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Faith in Jesus makes us family, the kind of family where we have each other's backs, where we really care for one another, and people are craving for that kind of faith community. We can find superficial community anywhere. It is all over the place. The kind of community that this describes is rare. It's valuable. And it's hard to come by. Acts chapter 2 paints a picture of it like this, where it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Look, sometimes we don't know know where to find this kind of community or how to create this kind of community. And at TFRC, we know that we have work to do. But what would it be like if TFRC became a community defined by our trust for one another a community defined by our willingness to be accountable, a community that's best defined, best described as family, where we have each other's backs, care for one another like family. What would it be like if TFRC became like that? When someone asks, hey, what is that church, TFRC, what is that church like? That the answer would be, TFRC is a family how cool would that be? And we know we aren't we aren't there yet, and we need to put a lot more effort into it. And so we're going to go after it. We're going after it, and here's one step of what we're going to do. On May second, it's a Wednesday night. Pastor Brian and Pastor John, we're going to get together, and we're going to explore what we think that could look like for TFRC to be family. And how we're going to go after this—a dynamic community where the faith is being practiced together—and TFRC becomes family. If you are creating, a, or if you are craving a community like that, or even if you're just curious of what something like that would look like and what would the steps be to get there, join us. Write it down. Wednesday. May 2nd, 7 p.m., Social Hall, other building. It's on a Wednesday night, so we have children's ministry that night. And so if you have kids, we have a place for them so that you can join us in the Social Hall, Wednesday, May 2nd, 7 p.m. And we're going to start to pursue in ways that maybe we haven't before, TFRC becoming family. God's vehicle for bringing the gospel to the Magic Valley is a community like TFRC. That's God's vehicle. That's God's plan. It's what he wants to do. And every generation, in every generation, God wants the church to rise up and be the light of the world, not as individual believers, but as a community of faith. And if we are going to fulfill what God has created us for. In this time and in this place, we need to dive deeper into community. Amen. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your love, for your grace, For your mercy. And Lord, for the community of faith that gave us that message, wherever it was that we might have heard it. And Lord, we also thank you for all the ways in which different communities of faith have given us an opportunity to experience your love. And Lord, we ask that you would give us such a desire for community that you would put a spark in our hearts, a spark in us to pursue it, to deepen it, to build it. Lord, so that we could strive for the vision laid out in Ephesians where the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each of us does our part. And Lord, it's in the name of the head of our body, Jesus Christ, in in whose name we pray. Amen. And receive God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.